All right, everybody, welcome back. Welcome to maybe our biggest pod yet. This is episode 19 here for the Norwood Noise, and this is the Selection Sunday pod. Um, we're kicking off. This is Monday night here. We've given ourselves a day to digest, take a look at the field, um, get through the NIT selection show. We'll get to that later. Um, but of course, we have to go through and talk about, um, you know, the, the NCAA tournament and what's what's ahead for um, the best month of, of college basketball. So definitely looking forward to getting after it. Look at the, we're going to go kind of break it down. We're going to talk about some, some storylines from, you know, who's in, who's out, bubble stuff, um, a couple seed line issues um, across the board, really. Um, but then we're going to kind of go through each matchup, each first and, and maybe some second round possibilities and go through that. Um, myself, Evan Schibble, Graham Griffith, of course, alongside with me. Graham, I'll let you take the floor. Evan? It's the most wonderful time of the year. This is This is amazing. Gosh darn it, I'm so pumped. Um, First real March Madness in like three years. Yeah. With the limit, with the weird capacity last year, like this this is it, and I, I can't wait. I think that it's been an awesome year, you know, with like the non-conference showcases coming back, uh, conference tournaments, there's no, you know, weird delays and anything like that, no pauses, no shutdowns. I'm super, super, super excited um, for this year. We have a lot to get in, so we're not gonna waste any time. Um, Evan, you can start us off whenever yeah. you're ready. I mean, let's let's get right to it. If you're following along at home, your top left uh, bracket, we're gonna go to the West region first. Um, that is gonna be Gonzaga and Georgia State. I think no one was surprised at all. Um, with Gonzaga as the number one overall seed, um, and I do think that they're obviously in a really good spot. Uh, moving forward, moving past that Georgia State team, I think a little bit worth noting. There was some chatter that uh, Georgia State maybe should have been a 15, but I, you know, here or there, I don't. I obviously no one. I don't think anyone really in the world thinks that uh, Georgia State will give them a run. But hey, who knows? Um, that's why you play the game, right? That's why you roll the ball out. Um, but yeah, obviously, any, anything that you've seen. Let me put it this way, Graham. Is there anything that you've seen? Um, from the Zags and the WCC tournament and, and over the past couple of weeks that uh, you know makes you feel better or worse about them? Like, What's your take on the Zags coming into the tournament? Um, you know, early on in the season, I was really interested to see um, you know, an improved Nemhard and how Chet Holmgren was going to play on the NCAA. And at the first few games, he was kind of just more like, you know, like a tertiary guy, kind of standing in the corner. You know, he'd come into the paint, but wasn't really much of a threat. But uh, Mark Few has really found a way for him to be like kind of like their defensive anchor. Um, a lot of these teams are going to try to go into the paint. You're going to have to deal with a very strong Drew Timmy. He's very sound in the post. And one of the most elite shot blockers that we've seen in the NCAA, uh, and Chet Holmgren. I love their inside presence. I think Mark Few can coach them to get very far in this tournament. Um, he's still looking for that coveted championship. But last year's uh, championship run, they just came up short, proved that he has the ability to do it with the right team around him. I think it's almost an identical team when you think about it. You know, some of the role players got a little changed out, and now you have Strother with a bigger role on this Gonzaga team. Um, I, I really like them. I, they really just have a very commanding presence over whoever they play. I think Georgia State, while they deserve their spot, I think they'll be gone very quickly. You know, line opens up at 25. I wouldn't be surprised if they win by 30 or 35. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. 
Um, obviously, I think Gonzaga will roll there. Moving down from there, I think a very intriguing 8-9 matchup. Kind of a collision of two worlds here. Um, Boise State uh, coming against Memphis. I, I really like this Boise State team. I think people kind of miss the fact that they won both the MWC, the Mountain West Conference, uh, regular season and conference tournament. Um, while they did lose some kind of tough games on the stretch, um, I do still think this team is very good. Um, I mean, yeah, when you look at uh, you look at Ken Palm, they're 26 in Ken Palm. Um, it, you know, they're 76 in adjusted offensive efficiency, 17th in adjusted defensive efficiency. Defense has been very, very good um, in the Mountain West with both of them and San Diego State um, taking the cake there. So yeah, I mean, just one of those things that I'm really looking forward to seeing what they bring um, to the field um, and to the tournament as a whole. Um, but yeah, I, I I would just say I think that I think that Boise State's a very very solid team, of course. Um, and then you know moving past that, Memphis is an interesting one. Um, what what was the state? Did you see that they've really lost one game since Amani Amani Bates stopped playing? Was that right? Right. right. Um, so yeah, I I think you know Memphis is really rolling right now. Penny Hardaway's kind of pulled them together, and I I think both of these teams could very well give Gonzaga a run for their money in the second round. Uh. Yeah, I mean, to add on to this, I really like how Memphis has pieced it together. Um, they still, you know, um, have a little bit of struggle, um, you know, handling the ball and getting, uh, you know, fair cohesion throughout the entire game. And some things to look at is that Boise State is not one of those traditional mid-majors where you think you're going to play slow. Very fast team. They like to take a lot of shots. Um, they, they attempt you know, 22 threes a game, and they shoot fairly well. Um, I think that if Memphis wants a chance, uh, well, a better chance to win this game, not saying that they're out of it, uh, I think it'll be very even. Memphis really needs to establish a very slow and grinded out game. They're going to rebound a lot better than Boise State based on athleticism and personnel. And I think that Boise State, if the Boise State can get to their level of play and wanting to play fast and shooting well, I think this could be a Boise State win by 10 or 15, you know, open up the tournament, turn some heads. But at the same time, I really think that this Memphis team has all the pieces necessary um, to get this win. I think if it comes down to it, I will be ending up, ending up picking Memphis um, just because I don't, my main reason that I think Boise State could win is perimeter shooting. And I really don't want to ever like chalk up a win to perimeter shooting. So I would think I'm going to take um, Memphis to win this game, but I'm not quite sure quite yet. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a very it's a very tight you know this or that game. Um, moving down the bracket, we got UConn, New Mexico State, Arkansas, Vermont. I think those um, that that four right there is very very solid. Um, let me find this here. Those games will be played uh, in Buffalo. Um, so again, I think Vermont will travel very well. I think UConn will travel very well. Um, kind of a tough draw for Arkansas to have to go up there. But again, I, I just think it'll be a very good um, setup for both those teams there. Uh, I do think, I think UConn rolls. I, I don't, New Mexico State, their 26 and six record, 26 and six record is very respectable, um, but their strength schedule is not very good. Um, yeah, they're way outside the top 100 uh, in strength of schedule. Let me find it real quick, just so I have the number for you. Um, one second here. Um, 
133rd in strength schedule. Sorry about that. Sorry that took so long. Uh, but yeah, 133rd in strength schedule. So again, uh, just haven't played a lot of really, really solid teams. Um, good to see them uh, getting an effort, though. I just think this UConn team is really, really good. I mean, obviously, we saw them twice here in the Big East. Um, so maybe a little bit of a homer pick there to some extent, but I, I just do think that the, the, this UConn team is very, very good. Looking at Arkansas-Vermont, though, um, I think this is a very popular upset pick. Really, anytime you see Vermont on that 12, 13, 14 line, they're usually a pretty popular pick. Um, Vermont is always a solid team uh, coming out of the American East, and they can always kind of you know surprise some people. I think the American East, just in general, is a kind of upset-ridden conference. Um, obviously, we all remember UMBC, um, but Albany's come out and won some games before. Vermont, obviously, has done it before. So I think there's some good teams coming out of there. Um, Graham, your takes on those two? Uh, very. I think with UConn, the way that they're going to win their games is by you know rebounding and um, scoring very high. I think if they want their games to go in their favor, they're going to have to score very well. And I think that's going to be hard for New Mexico State to handle. Uh, New Mexico State is the 73rd uh, best defense in the country, but that isn't saying much once you get to the NCAA tournament. Um, they definitely, you know, um, haven't performed to their expected result um, in their games. They aren't a very dominant team in their, you know, 26 wins. Um, their opponent offenses that they have had to face is 190th um, in, you know, the strength of the schedule rating. I think Connecticut rolls here. Moving on, I really like the Vermont team. I mean, they're one of the hottest teams in the country right now. Yeah, they're, they're fourth in the country in um, effective field goal percentage. Like that, that's ridiculous. I mean, they're shooting 57% from the field. That's unbelievable. Uh, I've been looking at this Arkansas-Vermont game, and what I've learned very quickly is Vermont only has one loss uh, since, you know, late December, mm -hmm. which is very impressive, and that one loss was an overtime game on the road. Um, and to add, Arkansas gets a lot of their points from the free throw line. But Vermont, and maybe this is just American East refs, and you know, once we get to NCAA tournament refs, so it might be a little bit different. They're one of the more disciplined teams in the country, and uh, where they struggle is guarding the three-point line. But that does that kind of works in their favor because that's Arkansas's weak point right. uh, coming into the tournament. But at the same token, you know, those statistics may turn into Vermont's favor. You have to look at the better team. It's Arkansas. Um, in the past 11 times that Arkansas has been a six seed or higher in the round one, they're 11 and 0. And Vermont in the past seven tournaments is one and six. Um, wow. It, you know, you never want to look at historical trends because all those 11 games from Arkansas and those seven games from Vermont are completely different seasons. But following historical trends, seeing what this Arkansas team has been able to put together, while they have lost the two other three games including one very, very bad loss to Texas A&M. Um, I still think that Arkansas is going to find a way to pull away just based on the fact that um, Vermont just I don't think will be able to keep up with Arkansas for a full 40 minutes. Yeah, I, I, I can see where you're coming at from there. Um, I think both the teams are very good. I, I honestly had Arkansas kind of as one of those teams penciled in um, as, hey, you know, this – 
this team could roll a couple rounds. Um, but that draw against Vermont is very tough, and I'll be interested to see um, what comes from there. Next down is the 6-11 matchup, Alabama and then winner of Rutgers and Notre Dame. Um, that game, uh, Rutgers and Notre Dame, that is the excuse me, that is the Wednesday um, nightcap for the for the first four. Um, so that'll be March 16th. That's on, of course, on True TV. Uh, True TV is the host of all four um, first four games. So, <laughs> um, but probably the most airtime T- T- True TV gets all year. Um, Real quick bubble talk, Rutgers, Notre, so the last four teams in the field obviously go to the first four, so it's Rutgers and Notre Dame, um, and then Wyoming and Indiana. I will say um, I went through, and I don't know if, Graham, if you saw this, um, but I went through and Sunday during the day came out with my seed list. I, I predicted every all 68 teams to make the field. Um, I was 67 to 68, so I was pretty proud of that. Um, the only team that I had out that the committee um, did not was Notre Dame, this Notre Dame team. Uh, I did not see a lot in the resume. I'll run through it real quick. Um, they're 53rd in the net, um, 64th at KPI, uh, SOR 38, strength of record. Um, and then their BPI is 49th, uh, Ken Palm, they're 52, and Sagarin, they're 54. Um, and then overall, we're looking at the quadrants here. They are 2-8 and eight in quadrant one. Two and one in quadrant two, eleven and one in quadrant three, and six no in quadrant four. I I don't understand how <laughs> you're gonna put a team with only four of their twenty one wins in the first two quadrants, um, as well as a quadrant two loss. I I just don't I don't see it. Um, at Texas A&M on the other hand, sixtieth um, at RPI. Um, and yeah, they've got their quadrant set up here. Uh, they were four and eight in quadrant one. Um, they were two and three in quadrant two. You know, the, neither of those are great, but they're six no in quadrant three and ten and one in quadrant four. Um, a weird loss there to Missouri. Um, I think I, I really do almost think that was the difference. Um, I was shocked to see that. Um, Obviously, I think it would have been really interesting what the committee. Knowing that now, I think it would have been interesting to see what the committee would have done if they beat Tennessee on Sunday um, and were in, because I think that would have really um, gotten interesting. Um, I will say too, looking back at the first four, um, I will like go ahead and lay on the sword. I'm an idiot. I uh, I had my first four was or my last four teams in basically was Indiana, Wyoming, so I got that matchup correct, and I had Michigan and Rutgers totally forgot that you cannot play two teams from the same conference against each other. So I do think that was the only thing um, that actually kept Michigan off the bubble. But I will say, too, I was a little bit surprised when you're looking at those three Big Ten teams, I was surprised that Michigan was the one that was clearly in the field Mm -hmm. against those other two. I thought Indiana, after the win against Illinois, um, would have a little bit of a bonus there, um, or even Rutgers, uh, just with their slew of top-tier victories. So, I mean, they're like record strength the record is insane um so again point being i was a little bit surprised to see that um but obviously not the end of the world by any means um but 67 and 68 i was i was pretty proud of um, but anyway so moving on to this um this first four matchup first of all between rutgers and notre dame um i think rutgers is going to roll i don't know what, what what are your takes here uh first four i haven't fully decided i think that um just with gut feeling I'm going to have uh, Rutgers coming out on top. But, uh, you know, following historical trends, one side, you know, you have that Alabama Rutgers, or even for the sake of the argument, you know, the Rutgers Notre Dame outcome. 
the last 10 NCAA tournaments, the better seed is only 19 and 21 in the 6-11 matchups, which is quite unbelievable when you think about um, you know, the quality of teams that could come out from you know, being a top six seed in the region. Uh, also something that I think is going to work in Alabama's favor, uh, Alabama's very, very dependent on their offense. I mean, we've been saying this all year. We've been talking about them since the first week all the way up until the um, SEC tournament. You know, Alabama's been on mentioned on this podcast several times. And yeah, we gave them so much airtime there yeah. in, like, you know, November, December, January. Of course. Uh, and, you know, a good note is when six seed scores 70 or more points over an 11 seed, they're 29 and seven. And I think that's gonna w work in Alabama's favor if they are able, um, you know, to be Alabama. And I think that once they get hot, they're one of the most dangerous teams in the country. Um, but then at the same token, for the teams that score 65 or less, 60 is 11 and 21. There's a huge drop off. Wow. Uh, once you reach the point of if the six seed is willing to score or not. I don't really trust Rutgers or Notre Dame's defense. Uh, I, I trust Rutgers' defense more just because um, they have a few more standout players, but I don't know if the cohesion is there. At the same time, Rutgers kind of decides how they want to play uh, game to game. You know, they take down top dogs, they lose terrible games at home. Um, I see Alabama winning marginally, uh, no matter who comes out of the first four game in Dayton. I would agree. I think Alabama's one of those teams that, I don't know if I said it on the pod, but I think we were talking about it earlier, um, that I kind of saw as like, okay, this is going to be one of those teams that is either going to ruin your bracket because you're going to lose them to get upset, in the, or you're going to choose them to get upset in your first round, and they're going to run to the Sweet 16 or Elite 8. Or um, they're, you're going to choose them to run to the Sweet 16 Elite 8, and they're going to lose in the first round. Um, I actually have them chalk here. Like, I think Alabama's going to win that first game, and then I think they're done. Uh, I think the draw helps me with that, too. Um, seeing Texas Tech there, I, I, I'm not giving Montana State a second look. Or I don't know if you are at all. Um, but for me, like, I think Texas Tech rolls that game, and I think Texas Tech rolls through Alabama as well. Um, that's how I've got set up chalk-wise. Um, and then moving down to that last, uh, last four there, um, you're, I mean, I'll let you kind of take the lead with your, with your, uh, your Davidson Wildcats there, matching up against uh, Michigan State um, in that 7-10. And then Duke on the two-line, I'll talk about that later, but I'll let you, um, Graham, I'll let you have the floor with your Davidson Wildcats and talking about that matchup against Michigan State and a potential matchup against Duke in the second round. Uh, yeah, Davidson's coming off what crushed many uh, bubble teams dreams um, in that uh, Richmond defeat but that is not telling of how Davidson's season has gone um, they can you know they dropped two games very early on San Francisco New Mexico State um, and then they were able to you know ramp it back up they were the second hottest team in the country behind Auburn to start the season uh, with a 15 game win streak once they got to conference play dropped a few games here and there but this Davidson team is very special because of how they shoot the, uh, how, they, how, they, how they shoot from three. They're unbelievable. They have every single player on the team is the least competent shooter that you cannot leave open. I think that this is the exact type of makeup with experienced coaching, experienced starting lineup, and you know high volume scoring that you know is 
what gets into the hearts of many people that make their brackets, you know, when it comes to tournament time, making their Cinderella's. Another thing to note, uh, Davidson's leading scorer, Foster Lawyer, is a Michigan State transfer. A little revenge game in round one. I love that storyline. Um, but, you know, being realistic, this is a very, very tough uh, matchup for Davidson. Uh, Michigan State is going to be larger and stronger and more athletic at every single position. Um, I would agree. I mean, I, I don't know. Personally, I, looking at it from your perspective, I'm assuming you would have picked any of the other seven seeds over this one? Yeah. It, apart from uh, maybe Ohio State, I would love to see a Murray State or USC. Um, you know, you, you, maybe USC and Michigan State would be a debate. I'm fine with the Michigan State, you know, draw. Um, I was expecting us to be at the 11 seed. I was pleased to see that we were at the 10, um, even after the loss. Uh, we're a very disciplined team. We're not going to foul a lot. We're not going to turn the ball over. But at the same token, um, this is a very, very athletic team that is going to, um, you know, get, give me a, a few scares here and there. Uh, very, what gives, you know, Davidson... Um, not not to dwell too much on him. I know we gotta go, but like, not. <laughs> no, you what, you can have your time. Believe me, once we get to Kansas, I'm gonna talk long and hard about them. So. Yeah. One one thing that uh, Davidson has really revolutionized, and it's almost like a, a baby Golden State motion offense where a lot of high post and low post entries, um, and then all four guys are moving, and that starts with A10 Player of the Year Luka Brykovic. Um, You know, he's a 6'10", very strong guy. You know one of the longest post-ups in college basketball. If you give it to him at the 20, you know, clock might run out by the time he's done with his move. Um, you know, Davidson will really struggle if they're not able to get into their actions and get out of the post-ups and, um, you know, spread the ball around. Because Michigan State could easily, you know, start trapping and showing and stunting. Might give Davidson some trouble. At the end of the day, my non-biased pick would definitely be Davidson. I think that they have all the components to be a March Madness upset team. Uh, moving on, Duke by a mile. I don't think uh, Cal State Fullerton will be able to keep up with the athletes. Um, I, I, I think at the end of the day, if you ever you know get like a low-end Power Six team or maybe a mid-major team that's just going crazy, it's a little bit more uncommon these days for a mid-major to get those two, three seeds. But when it's a Duke at, at the second seed, feel bad for Cal State Fullerton. I don't think it's going to be close. Um, regardless of who comes out of the Michigan State-Davidson game, I could see Duke winning. But at the same time, I could see you know, Izzo you know, shutting down Coach K. I think that would be almost poetic. And I would love a North Carolina uh, matchup between Senator Bob McKillop and Coach K. I think that that second round is going to be a big storyline. Because no matter what, which way you slice it, you're either going to have Izzo, Coach K for the final time, or you're gonna have little brother, you know, 20 miles down the road coming in. Um, I have no idea who I'm gonna pick once that get, gets there, but I know that I would have Davidson and Duke meeting each other in the second round. Absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm, I'm very intrigued to see that second round matchup. Um, again, Michigan State Davidson, I've got State. I think, I think Tom Izzo is a really, really solid coach. And, and just personally, and, and this is also coming from a person that hasn't, you know, I didn't watch a ton of Davidson basketball. I saw a few games um, this season, but I just, 
Davidson didn't show me enough against Richmond to really like convince me that they're really rolling right now. Not saying that they don't have all the pieces to do it. I totally agree with you. I think they do. Um, but I think I would end up on the on the uh, Tom Izzo side, um, just because he's. I think he's got this Michigan State team clicking uh, right now. Really quick, the only thing I want to touch on with Duke is the fact that it is absolutely laughable that they are a two seed. Um, just I'm gonna run you real quick through some numbers. I had. So I had it set up going into Selection Sunday. I, I will just give you, I had my one seeds. I had Gonzaga, Arizona, Kansas, Baylor. I had all those correct. I had, all, my twos were Auburn, Villanova, Tennessee, Purdue. Um, I had Purdue getting a one if they won the Big Ten Championship over Baylor. Um, they ended up on the three line. Along with Tennessee and Kentucky and Duke get the two seeds. I can see where you might make the case for Kentucky, especially with the huge win over Kansas on the road. Totally understand that one. That was kind of in, you know, neither here nor there. Um, Duke getting a two seed is is comical. Um, I, I don't understand how you miss these numbers. Tennessee uh, is seventh in the net. Duke is twelfth. Tennessee is fourth in KPI. Duke is fourteenth. Tennessee had their strength of record is third. Duke's is eleventh. Uh, Tennessee's uh, BPI is fifth. Duke's is eleventh. Tennessee's uh, Ken Palm is seventh. Duke's is twelfth. Tennessee's Sagarin is seventh. Dukes is 11th uh, in the quad, and then we'll go by quads. Uh, in quad one, Tennessee is 11 and 7 and 5 and 0 in quad two. And then Duke is 6 and 2 in quad one, 6 and 3 in quad two with a quad three loss. Uh, all of Tennessee's losses came from quad one. They were 5 and 0, 4 and 0, and 6 and 0 in the uh, respective quads after that. Duke was 6 and 2 in quad one, 6 and 3 in quad two. 8-1 in quad three, and 8-0 in quad four. Also not shown, non-conference strength of schedule, Tennessee is 16, Duke is 116. Um, I, I, I am rattled by this a little bit. I, I, I think if, you know, if you're looking at, at the bubble, especially if you look at how well the committee rated Michigan for their strength of schedule and for how, well, how strong of a schedule they played, how aggressively they scheduled non-conference, things like that, and then you're not going to emphasize it here, um, along with all your result-based metrics. I, I'm just I'm befuddled. I, I looking at the numbers. Tennessee won the SEC championship emphatically, and I think it's almost a little bit of a reinforcement of. I think the committee has this bracket set going into Sunday, and I don't really think they ever change it unless something like Richmond happens, where Richmond wins, and then now you got to put them in the field. Um, I, I I don't. I, it just is shocking to me that that a result. That emphatic, it was a 15-point win. I understand Texas A&M is not a phenomenal team, um, you know, numbers-wise, but they still blew them out in the SEC championship and got some big wins on the way. I understand that it's not a recency bias thing. I know that the it, they, the committee looks at the entire body of work, blah, 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 blah. I've heard all that. I was just shocked uh, to see Tennessee not in the two-line um, and, and Duke in that, you know, to see them get that place. Now, if it had been... Um, Purdue and Kentucky, you know, and then Tennessee and Duke are the first two threes. I could, you know, maybe see that argument, um, but I, I was just shocked to see that. So, anyways, I will leave it at that. Let's move to the bottom left of the bracket. Baylor rolls over Norfolk State. I'm assuming uh, we agree on that one. I, I think, personally, I think this is the weakest bracket of the four. Graham, would you agree with me there? Uh, yeah, so far. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I've got Baylor rolling over Norfolk State. And then another, again, another... Really intriguing, 8-9. we got North Carolina Marquette. Um, of course, that'll be a good one. 
I think there's a lot to look at there. North Carolina coming off an emphatic win, but still just a very roller coaster season for the Tar Heels. Um, and then Marquette kind of faltering as of late. Um, tough loss to Creighton in the first round of the Big East, so worth noting that. Um, but Shark Smart has now taken three separate teams to the NCAA tournament, so good on Shark Smart there. And the Marquette Golden Eagles, I'll just continue to roll through, and then you can go through and highlight some things that you want to talk about. The 5-12, uh, St. Mary's will play the winner of Wyoming and Indiana. Um, I think those two teams are perfectly set on the bubble. I think Indiana and Wyoming will be a great matchup Tuesday night um, in Dayton. I'm looking forward to that one. Um, and then St. Mary's, I, who knows what you're going to get. I think it's the big question mark as it, say, as it is every year with the WCC and with some of these smaller conferences and what you're going to get out of them. I think it's a big question mark. I think a lot of teams seeing these four teams from the Mountain West you know, three teams from the WCC are going to be, a lot of people are going to be kind of looking at the bracket like, oh, I don't really know what to do with these teams. Um, so, again, I think that's, uh, it's worth noting there, um, but definitely a little bit, uh, you know, I, who knows what we're going to get. I would love to see St. Mary's and Wyoming face off. Realistically, I think it's going to be St. Mary's and Indiana, um, and, I, and I do think they'll continue to roll for a little bit here. Um, I've got Indiana moving on to play Baylor there in the second round, or excuse me, to play UCLA there in the second round. UCLA and Akron and that 413. I think people are kind of riding off the zips uh, in the MAC conference as a whole. Um, I think they might give them a little, bit, a little bit more of a run for their money than expected, but I do think UCLA gets away comfortably. The 6-11 matchup, Texas-Virginia Tech, is definitely something I, I am taking a long, hard look at. Virginia Tech team is hot. Um, they just won the ACC tournament. Noting that they're 11 as well, that also tells me that they were not in the field unless they won the ACC championship, which is kind of surprising, honestly. Um, and then we'll get to the bubble later, but there were some weird, like I, like seeing Dayton as the first team out was, was shocking to me. Um, but anyways, we'll get to that later. Um, so yeah, Texas, Virginia Tech, worth noting. Purdue and Yale, some of those Ivy teams sometimes can be a little scary, uh, but I do think Purdue has what it takes to roll. Um, Kentucky, St. Peter's in that bottom left corner. I uh, would just like to quick shout out to the St. Peter's Peacocks. One of the, <laughs> maybe, maybe the best uh, mascot in the tournament this year. Um, but I don't think they will be any match for Big Blue Nation. And then one of the most frustrating things I think I have with this bracket is your most, two of your most talked about mid-majors all season, San Francisco and Murray State, and the committee put them against each other in the first round. I had it, I was kind of looking at it before, and I was like, all right, you know, wherever they put San Francisco, I will probably pick them to win a game and then maybe win a second over a, over a higher seed, a really, a really good team there. And then same thing with Murray State. Well, now you put them against each other and don't give that opportunity to happen. But I do think that is the must-watch of the first round, I think. Um, that is Thursday night. I, I want to say it's a 9.20 tip, maybe. Let me pull it up here. Um, that is a 9.40 uh, Eastern tip for San Francisco and Murray State. It's near enough the nightcap. It's the second to last game there um so again i i am super 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 excited for that nightcap um murray state currently favored as one and a half point favorites i think it's gonna be a great game um it, it's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of points put on the board too so it'll be great it'll be running gun i think it's gonna be awesome um yeah graham i'll let you take it from there is there anything you want to highlight in that region uh i baylor by a mile uh north carolina marquette is a very interesting game it's gonna take a lot more thought from me um, first things, I like that North Carolina's pieced it together very late in the season. That's when it matters most, you know, when you need that momentum. Uh, Marquette's kind of lost their momentum that they're kind of gaining in the start of the year. Um, and while I trust Shaka Smart, and I think that his team's going to be prepared, it's very hard. It's one thing, you know, to get your boys, your freshmen, and your transfers, you know, 
to be able to play behind you in your new style of play in the regular season when you have weeks to prepare. Um, when it's you know when it's on the jump, I don't know if Marquette will have what it takes. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they beat North Carolina. I wouldn't be surprised if North Carolina beats them. But I have both teams losing to Baylor. Uh, St. Mary's, Wyoming, uh, very interesting. I think um, both Wyoming and Indiana can both uh, beat St. Mary's, but that's the type of game that I'm going to have to see after the Wyoming-Indiana game uh, to see how, you know, how the teams are looking because I, while it doesn't matter much to me because I have UCLA beating whoever um, comes out of that 5-12 game, I don't think that Akron's uh, MAC championship is um, sufficient as sufficient as like a, you know the normal MACs have been. We've had very good Buffalo teams. Um, we've had that OU team that you know took down Virginia and gave Creighton a run for its money. Um, Ak- There's been some really good teams to come out of the MAC previously in this year. You don't think? Yeah, it, what Toledo went down early. Um, OU's experience in shooting, uh, you know, wasn't sufficient enough. They lost to a Kent State team, and Kent State was without their second leading scorer, second most minutes played due to um, a one-game suspension. They also got a little bit of knock on their bench depth, so maybe Kent State should be there instead of Akron. But even Kent State wasn't the best team. That's a Toledo. Um, so I see UCLA winning. Texas Vatek. Uh, gross. I, I, really, <laughs> I really don't know uh, what to think here because I want to write off Virginia Tech, but at the same time, it's very hard to go into your conference tournament as an underdog every single time and take care of business. I would agree. Um, they deserve their spot there, and Texas is a very, very good matchup for them. Um, Texas has been underperforming. They might be looking for something to prove. I see that game, while both teams have proved to have good offenses, being a very low-scoring, kind of grinded-out game a one-possession game. I think that's going to be an exciting game that you turn on, which is not an exciting game to watch. Right. You, you have it on screen three, right. um, and then you, and then, you like know, Either you like it, the you, phone yeah. or the iPad. Yeah, you, you throw it on screen one at the end because you're like, oh, okay, maybe, like, maybe this will be a good Oh, look, it's 49-50. Yeah. That was kind of me with, similarly, with Florida Virginia Tech last year, honestly, the only reason I watched the entire first half is because it was the first game of the tournament. Yeah. Um, I remember that. It was in Hinkle. Um, but, yeah, it, that was just one of those games where I was like, eh. Um, I've always had, and this is just a personal thing, but I've, I've always kind of had, not an issue, but just something to me about the uh, about the two big state schools that are like, for the most part, football first schools that are thrown in those, the 6-11s, the 7-10s, that's just like, yuck. Like, this is going to be a gross, like, you know, 50 like, I hope 54. both teams lose. No, exactly. Like, I just, yeah. So that's, there's a couple of those. We'll get to those later in the tournament, but. Um, Point being, I, I, that's one of them for me. Yale. Uh, I will say, actually, one last thing on Texas. Sorry, I did just watch it, and this is not, you know, obviously telling to the, you know, this is not the only reason that you should strongly consider Virginia Tech. But Texas did just to- choke away a 22-point lead against TCU um, in their last in their in their loss in the Big 12 tournament. Um, so worth noting. I, I'm not saying that means, you know, one thing or another. I'm just saying that. Watching that in person, that Texas team got really down on themselves, and I think it's kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier in the year. Chris Beard's a phenomenal coach. It's going to take him some time to get the right guys, the right chemistry, and pull all that together. This was a team of, of you know, transfers and, and older guys, and it was just a big mix of players that 
to some extent, I don't know if, you know, come tournament time, they're going to fit together super well. I'll leave it at that. Uh, Yale, while they've had previous upsets, you know, over that Tory and Prince Baylor team that was able to get more rebounds than Baylor, very iconic video. You go up and the ball's coming off the glass and you grab the ball with, with two hands, that's a, that's a rebound. Yeah, and, and, you know, Yale got more of those against <laughs> Baylor. But I don't think, uh, while Yale might be able to out-rebound Purdue, I don't think it will much matter. Because I'm sorry, are you going to tell me right now that Yale is going to out-rebound <laughs> Zach Eady and Travion Williams? Really? Come on, Graham, you're better than that. No, no. It, it's more so just the, the fact that that might be the only thing that they might be able to have an advantage over. Like, that might be the only thing that goes their way. Right. I think everything else will points in Purdue's favor. Um, Murray State, San Francisco, I'm with you, uh, San Francisco, I'm with you on this. That That is just an awful 7-10. Uh, both of those teams, I would much rather, you know, have the chance, um, you know, to compete, at, you know, in a different round. Um, but they got a bad draw. I think Kentucky's a very explosive um, team that both of those teams won't have much of a chance over. I'm going to be going back and forth. Uh, my first thought is to go with the Racers losing to Kentucky uh, to round out that East region. Alrighty. Um, moving up to the top right of your bracket, um, would just really like quickly like to shout out. I really hope we get to see uh, Peter Kiss with the kiss um, from Bryant uh, leading this, leading the nation in scoring. What? Um, I'd love to see him against play Arizona. Who knows though? Uh, first four, Wright State and Bryant. I think it's a little sad that Bryant got stuck in that first four game, but it is what it is. Um, it is cool to see him get a standalone game though. Of course, with competition for the lovely NIT tournament. We'll get to that later. Um, but moving past that, I think Arizona rules, obviously. Seton Hall and TCU, this is an intriguing 8-9. Seton Hall was a very good Big East team, I think, this year. TCU has been coming out hot as of late, beating Texas Tech, Kansas, um, and then Texas in the Big 12 tournament. TCU is a really good team. I've got them winning pretty handily. Um, looking, at, uh, looking at the lines here, what do we got? For the line on that one. That is the nightcap of the first round. That is 9.57 Eastern on Friday night. That'll be the last game of the first round. Um, I, Seton Hall is a one-point favorite. I would, I would very comfortably take TCU on that line. Moving down from there, this I am, I am loving this 5.12-4.13 uh, bubble here with Houston UAB and Illinois Chattanooga. I think, honestly, um, if I could be anywhere for a set of games, uh, I would love to be in Pittsburgh for that set of four. I think that's probably the best set of four out there. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I really, I, I'll stick to that. I think that's the best set of four out there. Um, so I'd love to see that. Um, but again, I think it'll be a really good set up there um, for both those 512, 413s. I think, though, I, I know this Chattanooga team is very, very good. I think people are looking at the wrong upset here, and we can talk about Houston here in a minute, but. I like UAB. I don't. I think Houston is kind of, you know, fooling the computers a little bit. I'll say that. Um, Houston doesn't really have a, a huge quality win, um, you know, this year. I, I have not been um, thoroughly impressed uh, by Houston to say the least this year. They did roll Memphis uh, in the American Championship game, um, so that was good to see for them. Um, yeah, I mean, they beat them by 18. But other than that, I mean, they they got swept by Memphis during the regular season. Um, they snuck past SMU, which is which was 
Um, they, I mean, they split with SMU, um, and SMU I don't think is that good. Um, they snuck past Wichita State in that weird triple overtime game. Um, you know, they beat Oklahoma State. Eh, they beat Oregon, who stinks. Um, I don't know. I just They lost to Alabama, um, lost to Wisconsin. I just don't see a lot in this Houston team, I guess, is what I'm getting at. And I really like this UAB team. I think they're a very solid team, um, all you know, through and through. I and, and, and then I am just too much of an Illinois fanboy this year, I guess, if you could say. Um, I, I really like this Illinois team. Um, off the cuff, I, I've obviously done a couple iterations. I had them making the uh, Elite Eight. Um, I think I've actually switched that around since I haven't making the Final Four now. Um, I really like this Illinois team. I think especially after what happened last year and them getting screwed by the committee, having to play Little Chicago in the second round. Um, I really like how they set up. Um, and I think they got a good bracket. And I also think Arizona, um, I love Tommy Lloyd. I think he's been a great coach this year. I don't see them doing it this year. I do see them doing it in the future. I think this Arizona team is very good. I know it's a controversial take. A lot of people are saying Arizona's going to walk to the Final Four. Blah, 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 blah. I, I just... I think that's going to be the one that really shocks everybody, um, and I could see Illinois knocking off Arizona there in that Sweet 16 matchup. Not to get too far ahead of, the, of it, though, we'll continue to move down the bracket. Colorado State, Michigan, um, Tennessee, Longwood, Ohio State, Loyola, Chicago, and Villanova, Delaware to round it out. Um, I'm having a tough time with this Colorado State-Michigan game, and I don't know if that's just me reading too much into it. Um, I do really like this Colorado State team. I think they're obviously you know the best team to come out of the Mountain West this year, despite, you know, for the, the regular season title and losing the, uh, the conference tournament final, but I still think the Col this Colorado State team is very, very good, and uh, Michigan's just been inconsistent. I mean, it's still, what, been six weeks now, win-loss, 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 all the way through. Um, for Michigan, Tennessee, I really like this Tennessee team. I still think they got um, screwed by the committee. Um, Ohio State, Loyola Chicago, I am contrary to many on this. I like Ohio State. I think I like chalk here. Um, it's. I will say this: it is a tough one to pick for sure. It's a pick 'em right now. It's even on the spread. Um, I think it'll be close. <laughs> I think it'll be close, but I do think Ohio State's going to pull it out. Um, I just don't see young coach Little Chicago. Um, I, I just don't see him doing it um, this year. And, and, and I mean, they got swept by Drake. They split with you and I and the NBC. I just don't think this is that Little Chicago team. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Ohio State's got, got the pieces uh, to get past them. And then, obviously, I got Villanova rolling Delaware. Delaware was the sixth seed out of the CAA tournament to come out, um, so I don't expect a ton out of them. They're a double-digit loss team, um, so I think Villanova rules there. I, I really, honestly, don't understand how Delaware got a 15. Um, <coughs> sure, the CAA is a little bit better conference um, than some of the others, but, I mean, they were a double-digit loss team as a double-digit seed. I, I'm shocked to see Delaware get a 15. Point being, though, um, Villanova, Ohio State, I've got Villanova rolling, um, and I've got Tennessee beating whoever, either Colorado State or Michigan. I, I, but I'm, all I'm leaving to that is if this goes chalk to the Sweet 16, if this is Arizona, Illinois, Tennessee, Villanova, I would be so excited for that Thursday or Friday night um, of the Sweet 16. That would be an awesome, awesome, awesome two nights, I think, or uh, one night with those two games. So I'll leave it at that for you. Uh, your takes on the South region as a whole. Uh, I think that Arizona is going to handle whoever they play. Um, Seton Hall TCU is going to be a very interesting game. I think that if it's the right night, I think both of those teams could give Arizona trouble, but I still see Arizona getting there 
rather handily. Um, this Houston UAB Illinois Chattanooga little mini region, I I it's like one of the very few spots on this bracket where I look at all four teams and they come out of the Sweet 16. While it might not be what I pick, I like wouldn't be surprised. I think that um, Houston might be a little bit overrated in the computers and um, historically. It's, it's, it's a known thing that, you know, if you have two minor conferences um, at the 5 and the 12, you should go with the lower seed. If you have two majors at the 5 and the 12, history tells you to go with the lower seed as well. So I want to really go UAB, but at the end of the day, you, I mean, the computers aren't going to lie. This Houston team is very good, very talented, very efficient. Um, so I, I'm a little bit at standstill on who I'm going to decide there. Illinois Chattanooga, you know, Huge sucker for the SoCon, and I think D'Souza being back at the tournament, um, you know, be very, very interesting storyline. At the end of the day, this is an Illinois team that really, really wants to get back to where they thought they should have been last year with AO. Um, but, you know, Cabrello should be back, you know, playing at the level that he should be. And Coburn's a very, very difficult guard um, come tournament time. I, I see Illinois winning, but I don't know why, what would happen in the past of that. Colorado State, Michigan State's a very um, tough decision. While you want to give Colorado State, you know, the credit that they deserve in the Mountain West, you know, Michigan does have to face a more grueling schedule. But even in that, you know, they haven't taken care of business night in and night out. You know, it's it's every other night or whatever it ends up being. Um, and I think that at the end of the day, whatever team you know gets out of it, I think this is one of the least interesting 6-11 uh, games because I don't see either team getting past Tennessee, which we talked about is probably deserving of that two seed instead of Duke. Um, going downwards, Ohio State, Loyola, Chicago. Um, Ohio State has the potential to be very, 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 very good. Um, you know. Malachi Branham, a freshman standout, is coming to his own. Um, you know, Justin Aarons and um, you know Brown and Michi Johnson have all you know come into their own, respectively. But it's never been on the same night. That's where their inconsistencies have come on the perimeter and in the backcourt. EJ Liddell is an All-American, unbelievable player, and Zed Key has proved to you know be a great option for them. Um, you know, this Ohio State team is deep. They. I will well say Zed Key is day to day. Just didn't want to interrupt you. Just wanted yeah. to add that Zed Key is day to day. I'm assuming he'll play on Friday. There's nothing that's saying he won't, but just worth noting. Yeah, I think another thing that's blessed Ohio State is the fact that they're um, on the Friday. You know, that extra day of rest will for Zed Key is huge. Yeah, I think same thing with Baylor and L.J. Cryer. Um, getting that Friday game is is incredibly. Yeah, helpful. that extra day of rest makes a huge difference, and the fact that you know they're only traveling, um, you know, by car. If you right. went, it's like only two and a half hours. It's a very, very my close bad. My bad, Baylor's got that Thursday game. Apologies. <laughs> I, I thought I saw something about them getting Friday. Anyways, continue. Uh, you know, Ohio State, very close to home. You know, the crowd's going to carry. Um, many Ohio State fans are on that, you know, Pittsburgh border. Mm -hmm. um, I, think a lot, I, I think a lot of Ohio State fans in Pittsburgh as well. I think that's kind of one of those capitals. I mean, we'll get to that a little bit with, with Kansas in the next bracket, but I think a lot of the teams – um, have just a lot of graduates that end up in those regions as well. Right. Uh, but at the same time, 
I never, ever feel comfortable uh, rooting against Loyola Chicago after yeah. that Final Four run. You know, while, you know, they've dropped games in the Missouri Valley and maybe they aren't, you know, as efficient as they've been in years past. But at the same time, um, you know, Norris has proved to, you know, be a better option than he was last year. You know, he's kind of just a guy who came off the bench, gave you good minutes. He's been one of their best players. Williamson is still there from the first Final Four run, mm -hmm. and he's an unbelievable player. I think uh, Drew Valentine has done a good job. Um, while you know it might not be their year, I'm still not comfortable picking against them, so I'm still debating it. Um, you know, as we talked about, St. Peter's Peacocks being one of the better names in the tournament. The Blue Hens. You're a big fan of the Blue Hens. I was the Blue say. Hens are up there. Um, I wish the Blue Hens would just go in there and draw 18 charges against Colorado <laughs> and we could get out of here. But it's uh, it's unlikely that Villanova loses that one. Oh, that's good. Um, I would agree, and, and I will say real quick, quick segment. This is off the cuff, just because we're talking so much about mascots. Would you say the Blue Hens are the best mascot? in the field, or, or do you have another one that you would mention? Uh, because I would just say, personally, my favorite in, in all of the field, and, and probably almost in all of D1 athletics, and at least in college basketball, I would say the Richmond Spiders. I, the logo is so crispy. Like, I love the Richmond Spiders logo, but I, I will leave it at that, and, and you know, watching them, watching them sneak in the tournament was kind of cool for me, but. I'll, I'll leave it to you. Uh, you know, looking at it, um, Catamounts from Vermont. Yeah, that's solid. a good one. The logo's cool, too. Uh, Akron Zips, you know, a little kangaroo action. Mm -hmm. Can't go wrong. South Coast hit Jackrabbits. Yeah, that wrong. was my the next bunny. one. Go, go Bunnies, baby. Uh, there, there's some Richmond Spiders is, is very solid, too. I, I think, but... I just, I think I like the colors, too. I think that red and oh, navy blue And not, good. like, nickname. But like mascot, mm -hmm. have you seen Longwoods? The Lancers? Lancers? Yeah. It's like a jacked horse. No, I know. Like he's on creatine and like 18 <laughs> different supplements and he's like benching before <laughs> he, he comes to every game. Like the Longwood Lancer is yoked. I totally, I hear you. Um, that's, a, that's a good point. All right, let's, let's finish. Let's wrap this. Let's get out of here. Um, Midwest bracket. Um, Kansas, of course, getting the one seed. Playing the winner of Texas Southern and AM Corpus Christi. I'll talk about that in a second. Um, San Diego State Creighton, I think, is a really intriguing 8 9. Creighton, obviously, just kind of surprisingly ran to the Big East title game. Um, so we'll talk more on that in a second. Iowa Richmond. Richmond is not a 12 seed. Like, put them on the 13 line. South Coast State's 12. You know, come on. Um, what are we doing here? I'm surprised to see Iowa not get a little seed line bump after their run to win the Big Ten title. But again, back to my point, I think. It shows that Sunday games don't matter, which is kind of shocking to me. Um, I think they maybe deserve that four spot over um, either Arkansas uh, or even UCLA. Um, and you could make the argument for Providence as well, but I don't think they were going to put Providence on that far. Point being, I think, Ar I think Iowa could have gotten that spot up, um, even though I did predict Iowa to be a five. I, whatever. Um, moving past that, Providence, I think, got completely screwed um, with that draw against South Dakota State. Um, it's going to be a very popular upset pick, and there, there's good reason to have it. Um, Providence has kind of been that fluky, you know, are, are they that good? Are they lucky? You know, we've heard that argument all year. Um, I will say, though, the two teams, 
the two teams that I had kind of noted coming into the tournament is like, all right, you know, these are going to be the the teams that are going to be rated well that I'm going to keep an eye on and, and see who they get matched up with. But I might they may not be getting past the first round. Or Houston um, and Providence, and then Providence got arguably one of the best mid-major teams to come out of there um, that's going to be below that 12-seed line. Um, and then I, I don't think Houston got a favor, favorable draw either with UAB. So anyways, moving past that, here are <laughs> we got the 314 Wisconsin-Colgate down there. Um, I've heard some people thinking about Colgate, um, but I think Johnny Davis and Wisconsin are, are solid enough to get through there. Um, and then back to our original argument with the Texas-Virginia Tech thing, here's back-to-back -back games in the bottom corner of this bracket that just I could not get off my screen quick enough. You've got LSU who just fired their coach, Will Wade, which we will do a coaching carousel pod after the season um, and go through all of these firings and hirings and openings. We'll do all that. Um, we're going to leave it until the end just because we got to focus on the tournament now. Otherwise, these podcasts would get way too long. Um, and I know you don't want to listen to us talk for an hour and a half. Um, point being, though, uh, so LSU is, is, has an interim head coach. Iowa State hasn't won a meaningful game since December. Um, I just I I do not like this at all. I understand that Iowa State has nine quad one wins. A lot of people said they shouldn't have been on the eleven line. It just it it's shocking to me. It it really is shocking to me that they are where they're at. Um, and then USC Miami I seven ten like come on man, you know how cool to be to see San Francisco play USC um, in a seven ten matchup. I don't understand why those two are set up the way they are. And then Auburn, Jacksonville State. Obviously, I have Auburn rolling. Um, so my second round matchups, I got Auburn, USC. I got Iowa State beating LSU just simply based off Will Wade not being there. Um, and then Iowa State, Wisconsin there. I've got South Dakota State beating Providence. I mean, South Dakota State's one of the top teams in the country offensively. Um, they're, they have the highest, what is it? They, they score the most points per game. Yeah, they the highest points per game in the country. Um, and they've got the best uh, shooting percentage in the country as well. Ridiculous. Um, they fill it up. And they're not accustomed to losing either. I've got Iowa getting out of there. Um, I've got San Diego State beating Creighton. Originally, off the cuff, I picked Creighton just because of the run into the Big East. Um, but after looking at some of San Diego State's ridiculously good defensive stats, are you kidding me? Top five in the country in almost every defensive metric. That's awesome. Um, and I've got Kansas rolling as well. A couple of things I want to note just really quick um, about the Jayhawks route. I, I like their draw personally as a KU fan. I really like where they're at. I like their draw. I think they got a very favorable draw. But something I do want to note though, I, I don't understand why Kansas playing in Fort Worth, Texas, which is yes, is geographically closest location to their to Lawrence. How do they get the two Texas teams as the playing game? It, it's shocking to me. Um, it, uh, these six teams can be deliberated and, and moved around fairly easily. It seems I don't understand how you put. Uh, both the Texas teams in their home state, um, if they win that, obviously, if, you know, depending on who wins um, the first four game. But I, I just don't understand that. You're going to have, you know, a large contingent of, especially Texas Southern. I mean, Texas Southern is a storied program with national titles um, that, you know, that's something you got to be concerned about. I, I do think that their fans will follow well. And then a &M Corpus Christi hasn't had a lot to, you know, be super excited about in recent years. So I think, again, another 16 seed that is going to carry a big following um, into Fort Worth, you know, against Kansas. And then you move past that, and you've got the possibility, obviously this is a couple games deep, but you've got the possibility of a Kansas-Iowa matchup in Chicago. Anyone that's been in Chicago is very familiar that Iowa is one of the most well-represented universities in mm -hmm. Chicago. I mean, Iowa is 
it, that is Iowa fans central in Chicago. Um, people always joke, you know, why do Iowa fans or why why does Iowa keep getting a bowl game um, in college football even if they're only like one or two games above 500? It's because their fans follow them everywhere. It's absurd. Um, so you've got that to keep in mind, and then you put them two and a half hours from their campus in Chicago, and Kansas is eight hours away. You know, again, I understand you're not going to put Kansas anywhere but the Midwest. I'm just surprised Iowa got such a favorable draw as a five seed getting to play so close to home. I will leave it at that. Graham, your takes on the Midwest. Um, you know, I see Kansas winning. Uh, and then, you know, if this uh, going into – uh, the Big East tournament. The debate was, you know, San Diego State or Creighton. I would have had San Diego State by a mile, but um, you know, Creighton has proved that you know that even without Nemhard, you know, they could still play and best anyone. That's going to be a game that I'm going to have to debate for a while. Um, you know, San Diego State. Obviously, they're amazing defense. Creighton's pieced it together late. Iowa, Richmond. You know. I've never really liked the Spiders, you know, being an A-10 guy, you know, I feel like they're always like that team that isn't like the best team, but you know, they're hanging around that upper tier, that middle of the road, and they always just give Davidson a run for their money. So obviously they proved that point in the A-10 championship. Good for them that they made it, you know, but I think that Iowa might just blitz them. I might, this might be one of the largest I would agree too. I think looking at five twelves, I think that is the one that I am like very set on. Like yeah, I was going to win that. This game. might be like the largest like deficit that isn't you know like a two fifteen or one sixteen matchup. Providence, South Dakota State. I mean, everyone's hopping on the Jackrabbit bandwagon. You know, computers love them. At the same time, computers don't really like Providence. While South Dakota State could score, you know, the summit is not the same as the Big East. And at the end of the day. You could say that Providence needed this thing to win, and you know they only lost this game because you know this happened or whatever. At the end of the day, they you know they put wins in the win column, and they deserve their spot here. I think that Providence is getting written off very quickly. Um, I think that the Iowa Providence game is a tear. Like if that happens, is a terrible second round game that could easily be a Sweet 16 or even a lead eight. You know, if the cards went in a different way. Um, so that, you know, we talked about how the Houston, UAB, Illinois, Chattanooga, I could see each team, you know, getting out of that, like, mini section of that bracket. I see the same way. I mean, if, you know, Richmond wants to keep riding the hot hand, maybe they sneak past Iowa. But, like, three of those 14 teams I could definitely see sneaking through. Um, I think South Dakota State's one of those teams that, you know, People that are filling out their brackets are just going to fall in love with, oh, my God, it's the Jackrabbits. Oh, my God, they score 80 points a game. Like, <laughs> got to pick them. Like, at the same time, I mean, you have to still play the game, roll the ball out there. And I don't really know if I trust the Jackrabbits quite yet. LSU, Iowa State, um, I will definitely be tuning into ESPN that day to watch the women's bracket. I don't uh, want to watch that game. LSU uh, failed miserably in the SEC. I think this is just one of those cases where, like, why are they even in the tournament? Like, I'd much rather see a Texas A&M who's hot than, like, or even, like, a North Texas compared to, you know, LSU getting a spot. But, I mean, maybe they'll ride off that coach's momentum, but I don't think that you're able to once you get to the tournament. Um, and then Iowa State, I, I know that they had a very strong beginning of the year, but 
God, like they don't. I don't think that they deserve a spot either. I, yeah, I mean it's it's been a rough. Like like both those teams are just like I get yeah. Um, I I see the only reason that LSU or Iowa State will move on is if Colgate can upset Wisconsin. Yeah. But at the same time, I even then I almost take Colgate to be. I mean I think both those teams are incredibly gross. Yeah. Uh, this Colgate team, you know, I am not sold that on Wisconsin. I feel like either two pods or a pod ago, we talked about how I'm not that, you know, set on Johnny Davis in Wisconsin. They have no interior presence. They live by Johnny Davis, and they're going to die by Johnny Davis. He's had some very poor games, and in those poor games, they have not been able to perform. Uh, you know, if Colgate's, you know, feeling themselves, and, you know, they get a few threes down Wisconsin, you know, early, and then you're playing hero ball with Johnny Davis, I mean, he's enough to get you there on a good night, but what if it isn't a good night? I don't really trust the Badgers because, you know, a lot of people, you know, you know, three seed Wisconsin have one of the best players in the country. You know, I've heard, you know, Final Four and Elite Eight things, Giant Davis, but like Final Four, like let's say the question is Wisconsin get to the Final Four. I don't know if Johnny Davis will be able to carry them one, two, three straight games. Like, yeah, I completely agree. I, I Especially if they get all the way to an Auburn matchup, I see absolutely no way that they're beating Auburn. I and really like this Auburn team, and I don't see – I really like Bruce Pearl. I don't see any way that Wisconsin's beating Auburn. Well, I'm not one of those people that, you know, is like, oh, my God, NCAA's corrupt. They're nowhere near, like, the level of, you know, how we've seen in FIFA and Qatar and all that stuff. Yes. But this is one of those things that I told you about how a Memphis is going to get – now Memphis turned around their season, so this is obviously right. – that can example can be washed out, but like a team that doesn't deserve it gets in or gets a higher seed for TV ratings and storylines. Absolutely, and that's exactly what freaking happened with Wisconsin. You, they get a good draw. You have to play a 14 seed. Colgate's still a respectable team, but still it's a 14 seed from the Colonial, and then you have to play two underperforming teams, one of which doesn't have their head coach. The other team just got their head coach a year ago. Right. Like, Wisconsin has a cakewalk to get to the Sweet 16 for TV ratings. And I, I think that they'll be fools to not take advantage of it. But at the same time, I could see Colgate upsetting them or, you know, Iowa State or LSU with momentum getting through. Uh, this is my second, you know, section where I see all four teams being able to get out of there. USC Miami. I see USC winning just based on sure um, star power. And I see Auburn winning. That USC Auburn game could be very interesting. A Miami-Auburn game could be very interesting, but I think Auburn's one of the more complete teams. Them and Arizona are like the two teams that were like zero weakness. Like they're just very complete. They do well. You know, Auburn with Walker Kessler and, um, you know, Jabari Smith, I think that they are a very, very good team. I see Auburn getting out of that uh, second round into the Sweet 16 no matter who they play, but it will be a very interesting game on March 19th. Alrighty, that is the bracket done. Um, we will leave it at that. I we're not gonna go anything deeper um, tonight. We'll just leave it at that. We are looking at the possibility of a Friday night pod, um, possibly or Saturday morning, kind of in between um, the two games. But it does depend on Mr. Manager's schedule over here. Obviously, depending on how our Xavier Musketeers do tomorrow. Um, if not, we will absolutely have a pod next Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. We'll, it will get posted after the entire first weekend, and we will just continue that schedule throughout the NCAA tournament. 
Running into the Xavier Musketeers, though, we will, of course, as always, wrap up with the Musketeer Minute. Wrong side of the bubble for Xavier. Um, I don't think anyone was surprised by that, especially after the... Uh, I'm, it's hard for me to find words lost to Butler. Um, it, it, I don't know. I will leave it at this, though. I will say, based on the committee and where they put Xavier, or, or lack thereof putting Xavier, they, Xavier did not make the first four out, which... To me, looking at the at the resumes was shocking. I can't believe they had a 10-loss team um, in the A-10 with losses to Austin P, uh, UMass Lowell, and Lipscomb as the first team out. Um, I, I'm shocked to see that uh, being the first team out, and I'm ex I'm shocked to see Xavier not even on that on that uh, first four out. But point being, I think it, it shows that to the committee, even a win against Butler, I don't think, would have gotten Xavier in. I think they would have had to go and beat Providence, too. Um, point being, though, two seed in the NIT tournament tomorrow night against Cleveland State at home. Do get to host the game, so that'll be fun. Um, and my, my biggest takeaway going to the NIT is I would love to see a Xavier-Dayton game. I, I think for all the for the old heads, I think it would revive the alumni. I think the arena would be packed, you know, it, since it would be in Dayton. Um I think it'd be fun. I'd love to see it. Um, I'd probably really like to make the trip if I could. Um, so, yeah, just things to look forward to. Um, but, yeah, Davidson is the one seed in Xavier's bracket. Um, there's four teams from Ohio in our bracket, which I think is hilarious. Um, but, yeah, just worth noting that. And uh, I'll leave it at that. Graham, I'll let you wrap up on, uh, on Xavier, and we'll, uh, we'll get out of here in just over an hour. Uh, I don't really want to dwell too much on um, the season. I think it's in the past and you know you just have to focus on the prospect of NIT glory at this point. Um, very, very, very negative outcome based on you know the start of the season and even the preseason. Um, it, it's very disappointing that there are several games this year that were in our hands or that had the ability to be in our hands. Um, but at the end of the day uh, you know, we lost to Butler when we needed to win. And I, you know, told a lot of people around me and my parents that, like, if you get to the point of the season where you're having to watch these mid-major semifinal games. Right, no, I like, totally agree. Like, like the you ball don't, was you don't deserve to be in the tournament. Completely. The ball was in our court. Like, it, it, it shouldn't have come down to me watching – Richmond and Dayton hoping that Richmond won and then hoping that Richmond lost the next day. Like, it, it should not come down to that. Yeah, uh, but at the end of the day, I like our draw. I mean, this Cleveland State team is very, very well coached. Um, Senior-laden, they won their conference in the regular season. Um, but at the end of the day, this, is, this should be a win. We should be able to move on. And then you have, you know, Florida and Iona. Florida... Um, started off the season well, but kind of imploded once they got to SEC play, which isn't really much of an implosion once you uh, think about all the quality teams that they have to play, sometimes twice. Um, also, the prospect of um, Iona and uh, Rick Pitino coming to Centos would be a very cool experience for me. Um, and, you know, then you go, possibility, you know, you get an Adam Kunkel rematch if Belmont goes all the way. Um, Staying in state versus Toledo and Dayton. Obviously, Dayton would be a lot cooler. Um, you know, you know, re reviving that A10 rivalry from back in the day. And then there's a lot of good storylines. I mean, in our region, you know, 
it would almost be poetic to end our region uh, against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt was the first team we scrimmaged this year in that private scrimmage um, against Scottie Pippen Jr. and the Vanderbilt Commodores. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I was a little bit uh, shocked that we accepted the invitation. I thought that the risk was greater than the reward. But now that I've been thinking about it, you know, maybe the reward is greater than the risk. You have to look at it, this glass half full. Um, you have an opportunity for the guys to prove themselves, ride momentum. Um, while Nate and Paul both had their opportunities to be in the NCAA tournament, Paul's freshman year, Nate's uh, freshman and junior year at Gardner-Webb. Um, it, it's still a great opportunity for them to, you know, close out the season on a high note. We can end, um, you know, the season on a relatively positive note. I mean, you have the CBT, NIT, and NCAA tournament, right? Is there a fourth one? CBI. But CBI. Yes. CBI, NIT, NCAA tournament, um, and then, of course, the Atlantic Sun. Neither, because Bellarmine, you know, Four, four, real quick, be real four quick, the, 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 and we're just gonna. I'm just gonna throw this out there. The fact that the NIT did not invite Bellerman is a disgrace. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? You're gonna let a team that won their conference tournament not play any postseason basketball? Come on. Yeah, what especially because they. What are we doing they stress here? So much about the automatic qualifiers, and right? Regular season champion. Right. What What are we doing here? Like, come on. Like, shoot them an invite. What? Like, what, what's it going to do? Hurt your ratings? No. <laughs> like, come on. It might even boost it. Yeah, right. So, anyways, that's, I'm, I'm done. I'm off, my, I'm off my soapbox. But that, that, I did see that. I was like, really? Come on. So. I mean, while it might not be the, you know, the prestigious you know, big dance, punching your tickets and all that stuff. Right. Um, fact of the matter is, is that every year, three teams, four with the Atlantic Sun, uh, Asterix, um, four teams end their season as uh, champions, and Xavier has the opportunity to do that. I think you should take advantage of it, and hopefully um, we can take care of the Cleveland State Vikings uh, Tuesday night. Completely agree. And, and too, to, to add on to that, you get to go end on a high note in MSG, which I think would be pretty cool for those guys, especially you know considering the sour, mouth, sour taste that's been left in their mouth the last couple times they've been there. So... Point being, all right, we'll leave it at that. We'll wrap that um, selection Sunday, Monday evening pod here. Monday, March 14th, um, 2022. Great pod, great episode, episode 19. Glad to have you here with me, Graham. Glad to do it in person. Um, it was a great time, and uh, yeah, but look, I'm, I mean, I can't wait. I'm so excited. Oh, yeah. So, all righty, we'll leave it at that, folks. Thanks for tuning in, as always, and we'll be back with you either after the first round on Friday or Saturday um, or at the latest next Tuesday night, and then posted on Wednesday morning. Thank you all for listening to the Norwood Noise Podcast, and we'll see you. Peace.